but we all want to be liked. Like that's just common among human beings, right? And so we get stuck there. Like, I, I just want them to like me. And that's fine to establish rapport and to actually create that connectivity that we were talking about earlier. Right. But if you don't move from, like you said, yes, I like him and I feel like I need him yeah. or her, you're just going to remain in the bucket of convenience. Welcome to the Real Better Life podcast, where people that are writing stories worth telling share their knowledge, wisdom, and perspective to help you go further, faster as you move to your better life. Over to your hosts, Dave Ness and Rob Alkema. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Better Life podcast. Sitting in the Denver studios, myself, Dave Ness, with Rob Alkema. What up? So today, we're actually devoting today to be a little bit more of a technical podcast, a technical episode. And so hopefully, if you're listening to this, you're in a place where you might be able to take some notes. If you're not, and you're listening to this between appointments or between picking up kids or going wherever, wherever you need to go, you can rewind it and play back maybe some of the most impactful parts for you. But this is going to be a little bit of a toolbox, hopefully, that you can have five, six things that you can implement into your business, whether you're at Thrive or at another brokerage right away. Thanks. So, yeah. yeah. So the topic today is the nuances of working with buyers versus sellers. Yeah. So more nitty gritty than most of our topics. <laughs> totally. But this is good because you have, oh gosh, when we're talking just residential real estate, not counting any of your commercial experience, we're talking... Mm. 17 years at this point? Yes. I'll be 50 Nine. this year. And yes. You're so old. <laughs> I know, dude. I don't identify as a 50 year old, by the way. I just, it's not my thing. Yeah. Uh, but you yeah. don't seem like you're 50. <laughs> you act like you're 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 30, 33 is when, when things kind of okay. start, started kicking off. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so one of my questions to you as we were launching today was what are things that, you figured out by like year seven to 10 yeah. in residential real estate that you wish you could go back because you just, you didn't see those things. You didn't even know what you didn't know the first couple of years, yeah. right? Of some of the more nuanced things that you learned with, you know, working with buyers versus working with sellers and what are some of the differences. And I guess the big takeaway for today is how can I be more effective at both? Yes. Yeah, Totally. You know, I just realized one of the similarities with both is I probably should have just started drinking bourbon earlier. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> and get, we're done. Just get that out. In the, yeah, just get, get that out in the, in the podcast. There. Drink more bourbon and your conversion will go up. Everybody write that down. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I love it. It's, it's a great topic and, and we can dive into that because there are, there's some similarities with, with both working with sellers and buyers. And there's some distinct and very powerful differences that I think mm -hmm. if they get missed that you'd struggle and maybe take longer to get further faster, yeah. so to speak. And, yep. and that's probably what you're kind of scratching at a little bit for me is that, yeah, it took me, you know, seven to 10 years before I kind of had a, like an aha moment and went, oh, wait a second. Like th this is actually a different trajectory, different style, different type, different engagement with buyers and what their expectations and needs are versus where the psychographic mapping of a seller is very different. Yes. And what they need and want. Yep. Yeah. Well, and the reality is, is anybody who's listening, whether they are going to be working online leads or they're working sphere or they're doing a lot of direct mailing or mm -hmm. other marketing sources or whatever, they're going to, each person on here is going to get in front of however many people they're going to get in front of for 
appointments, like opportunities to win business. Opportunities. Great, so they might way to say it. Somebody might get 10 this year. Somebody else listening might get 20. Somebody else might get 100. Somebody else might get 150. Yep. The hope is that whatever we cover today will help that person maybe get a few extra percentage points. Yeah. Of however many people they're getting in front of. Yeah. Regardless of how they get in front of them. Yeah. And where those, where those people come from. Well, because I'm certain you got better at that over the years. Way better. Yeah. yeah. You, you understand the kind of the nuances and some of the little tips and tricks, some of which are super technical that we'll go through today. And then some of which are a little bit more strategic and that are harder to maybe write down on a piece of paper. But hopefully we deliver a little bit of both today. Yeah. So we started off talking about, as we were prepping for today, what are the things that are similar between buyers and sellers? And we came up with three things. The first one was, no matter who you're in front of, probably the most important thing is you've got to make a connection with them on a human level. Yeah. And you've got to get that rapport. Yeah. So talk about that one. That's huge. Yeah. It all starts there without the connectivity between you and, and that person. All else is, is kind of failed probably. And if it's not failed, then you become at best just the service provider, but not a human that's actually going to be in their lives long term. And so maybe a litmus test is for the listeners, if you're listening to this going, yeah, I have a lot of transactions under my belt, but I don't have very many relationships under my belt. This would be a symptom for you of you probably didn't establish good rapport on the onset and then throughout the you know, the whole life of the transaction. And so doing that and actually establishing rapport, establishing connectivity on just a basic human level, I think sets the stage for all service delivery, all strategies, all of your products, your services, what, in other words, what you do, you know, for your buyers and sellers is similar without that human connection. That doesn't mean you have to be best friends. It doesn't mean you have to sit and cry together, although sometimes you will. But it does mean you have to have some level of, of connection with the people that you're, you know, you're talking to. Yep. And, and to give everyone kind of a, a little bit of a how-to, because we promised some technical, you know, some technical expertise here. The how-to, one, one of them, one of many ways, is the Ford method, F-O-R-D. Easy to remember. We didn't make this up. Can't remember where I learned it. I think it was through Ninja Selling with Larry Kendall, I believe. Shout out to, to Larry with Ninja Selling. It's an amazing program. If you haven't checked it out, check that out. But Ford just stands for family, occupation, recreation, and then dreams slash desires, right? And so let's role play it really quick just so that the listeners can hear it just, just for you know a hot second. So Rob and I are sitting here talking, right? We just met and let's pretend we're not even in a sales situation. We're just trying to you know hang out and get to know each other. And I would say, Rob, like, you know, Tell me about your family. Do you have do you have any any family in in Denver, or are you guys moving in from out of state? Yeah, been married twelve years. We've got three kids, ten, seven, six. Nice. You know, both from the Midwest. My wife has a brother and a sister that live here, but most of my family is back in Michigan. Most of hers is back in Iowa. Yeah, right on. Well, I'm in the same boat. I've got a 16 year old, 13 year old, and 10 year old. Right. So, and there we go. Uh, Common ground. There, there, there it is. Right. And then yep. you move to yeah. So tell me, like, what, what do you do? What's what? What do you spend your your days doing? I work with this D-bag named Dave. <laughs> he runs a brokerage. It's pretty good, surprisingly. <laughs> because this is, this is where role plays go. When we you go and you go, me too. I work with a D-bag named Dave. I, I work with I'm self-employed. I work with the same guy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is why we can't role play. And then you go into, we'll just speed through this for the listeners. <laughs> 
Then you go into uh, recreation, which is, hey, what do you oh. do with your free time? Rob says, I like skiing, so, snowboarding. Totally. Fly fishing. Going to Copper golf. Mountain. I go, no, yeah. no crap, me too. Oh my gosh. I like bourbon. So cool. Yeah. So do I. What's your favorite bourbon? Blah, blah, blah. All the things. And then you go potentially into, yeah, so like if I'm, if Rob's a buyer, so th- then I get to say something to the effect of, so what, like, what's your, what's your dream picture, right? I mean, if you could just have everything fall into uh, place perfectly, yep. timing, you know, the house, the situ- the school district for the kiddos, like, all, like just, just riff on that. Just close your eyes for a second and just yeah. you know, riff on. And then Rob goes into, okay, you know, if my perfect scenario and here's what I want, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, and it's almost like that one's so critical because it goes from like personal transitions you into business. Yeah. And essentially they're, they're telling you what their picture is of their ideal outcome. And then, you totally. know, you know what you got to do then to, to try to make that happen the best you can. Yeah. But, so that's um, one way, right? But, that's but not those, the only way. But those first three questions about family occupation and recreation, those sort of like open people up to actually be honest about that fourth one. Yeah. Because if you were to just lead with that and there's no rapport. <laughs> You're just a transaction guy. Well, it's weird girl. like getting into all that with you. I barely know you. Yeah, you got to buy me a drink first. Bro. Totally, exactly. <laughs> one, one thing just on this before we move on, we don't spend too much time on it, but where I see this go wrong where I see this not work and people go, well, I, well, I did the Ford method and it you know, didn't, didn't connect any established or establish any connection is because you didn't let them reciprocate. Because mm-hmm. in a normal conversation, just imagine yourself like at a party or a bar or whatever, like on the soccer field, wherever you just chit chat with people, it's not an interview. Yeah. This isn't like me grilling Rob with questions, right? There's no lamp over Rob's head and I'm going, hey, tell me about your family and then your <laughs> occupation, and then your real, yeah. So normal flow, like don't, don't overcomplicate. Normal flow is I ask Rob about his family and then naturally he would go, what about you? Do you have kids? And I go, yeah, me too. I, I got a 16, 13 and 10 year old and I'm in the same boat. And then we riff on the kids for a little while and then I want to lead the conversation. So then I ask about occupation. Yep. Now he's not going to ask me about my occupation because obviously I'm a real estate agent, but he might ask, yeah, just curious, like, how long have you been an agent? If I say, hey, how long have you been da 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 whatever, whatever it is that you're doing. So it's a ping pong oh, match. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. We, we haven't talked about this on a podcast. Inevitably, when people are new to the industry, I think most of them are terrified that somebody's actually going to ask them, how long have you been an agent? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. So when you were brand new, what was your response when you're, like, cringing? Because you're like, oh, crap, I've only done five transactions. Just lie. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Don't do not lie. <laughs> no, you know, I, I would say, I'm trying to remember the exact phrasing, but I would say, you know, it's funny with real estate. I actually haven't been in it that long. I got started roughly, whatever it is, six, nine, 12 months ago. But for me, I was in sales a long time. And uh-huh. so then I would just leverage that. Yep. And you can leverage that no matter what, right? And so like, if you're in, you can, I don't know. If you didn't have a sales background, you could potentially leverage like, the brokerage you're working with and their reputation and how many transactions they did or the mentor you might be working with. You know, 100%, that's yeah. Helping to train you. Yeah, so so in Thrive's example, and, and if you're not on a top-performing team, then you should get on one. <laughs> but in Thrive's example, if new people join Thrive and they get that question, the answer is, that's a great question. You know, I've actually just started about six months ago. And then if you can leverage something from your personal past, like, yep. but I was in, you know, business for myself. I, I, ran, uh, I ran a business by myself and I yep. did this and this and this. And here's the bridge statement. I wanted to transfer those same skills just into the real estate industry, Ooh, whatever great. it is. 
And so then people go, oh, that makes sense. And then you go, yeah, and I'm really honored. This is bragging without bragging, by the way. I'm really honored to have joined, in our example, Thrive Real Estate Group. They're number one in the nation for customer service on Zillow. Their average per agent productivity is, is way, way, way above average. It's in the, like the top 5% nationwide. And then in Denver, you know, they've been here for 20 years and just, just an incredible reputation. You should check them out, you know, just online with Zillow and, and Google and, and Yelp. That's literally, like, once you get done saying what I just said, something similar to that, that answers that question. Good. Right? And, then, and then it's like, okay, cool. And so some of it is just being able to think on your feet and anticipate that question. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're new, you should anticipate that question. Don't freak out. Yeah. <laughs> just whatever you've done in your past, and maybe it wasn't business, maybe you played competitive sports. That's a theme here at Thrive. Yep. So you know what's funny? I actually just got into real estate. However, all the same skills that I learned at Penn State playing football or fill in the blank, yeah. where, wherever you were, being competitive and being a team member and being professional and leaning in and showing up. I'm transferring all of those skills into real estate and that, that's why I'm here, right? And then, and then you start talking about the team and what they've done. So that tends to answer that question. That's good. The other thing we wrote down was with a buyer or seller, you have to be able to find the need, whether the need yeah. is pain or pleasure, Yep. right? There's eight distinct reasons why people are buying or selling real estate. Yep. And to find those, you have to ask good questions. So again, without camping out on this too much, what are some of your key questions that you're asking to help find the need with somebody? Yeah, and to add a little color to, to finding the need, mm-hmm. this is a huge gap, I think, in sales in general. Because what we do a lot, unfortunately, as salespeople, when I say we, I just mean the sales industry in general and real estate is sales, in case, in case you'd missed that. And so what ends up happening is we go into feature mode. We go into features and benefits. Yeah. Here's what I can do. Here's my resume. Here's my results. Here's what my brokerage does. Here's what I can do. This is what I did here. And meanwhile, you have no idea what is most important to the listener. And they might be thinking, this is so unbelievably boring. In fact, they probably are. Yeah. And you're way off track, right? And so the, the, the formula here, if you want to know what the, the two-step formula for all sales, it's super simple. If you have something to write with, write this down. Here's the two-step formula to become a top producer. Number one, find the pain or the desired pleasure of, of what, what, what they want their picture to be. And then two is fulfill it. That's it. Sometimes we overcomplicate things to justify our inaction. Shout out to Ben Kinney on that one. Mm-hmm. But that's really it. Find the pain and then fill it. And so if my pain is, yeah, every agent I've ever worked with has terrible communication. Should I go into how many homes I've sold and how long I've been in real estate and my brokerage is number one and we have this really awesome listing process? Oh, just ask what kind of communication they want. What does good communication look like for you? Here's the good news is true selling is asking, is asking questions. Yeah. We get it confused. We think that our sentences should end with either periods or exclamation points. They shouldn't. They should all be ending with questions. Because when somebody says that, you should say, oh, wow, tell me more about that. That's literally high, like that, that's advanced sales right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, tell me more about that. And you can do that with anything. You know, one of my biggest needs is I just really want a strong, strong negotiator. Oh, wow, tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, one of my needs is I really want a neighborhood expert. Oh, that makes sense. Tell me more about that. Hey, you know, something that I'm really interested in in, in a real estate agent or in the process of buying a home is making sure I don't buy a lemon. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Tell me more about that. Yep. 
Like that's it. You're just digging a little bit deeper. And then here comes the heartfelt like, well, because, you know, my wife and I bought a place in Atlanta and the agent didn't point out all the negatives and we lost 20 grand and I don't want to do that again. Oh, okay. Now, oh, now I'm getting the, yeah, now, now we're get, rolling. Right. So now we have the pain and all I have to do is say, Hey, a big part of my process is, and then you start describing all the things that they didn't get before. That's it. And you only need one, two, at the very most, three of those before people are going, you're my guy. Yeah. Or you're my gal. Yep. Which, you, don't, you don't need 20. You need two or three yep. of those. Well, and that was actually our, we, we had three things in terms of what's similar. And that's the third one is actually connecting the dots or Gotta connect the dots. filling the need. Yeah. Yep. And we'll actually get into that a little bit more in this next section. Yeah. So find the need or the pain. And then connect the dots and say, here's what I do. Here's what my team does. Here's what my company does. This is our process. Whatever it is that yep. checks that box and makes them go, man, I wish I had had that before. Or it makes them go, yep, that's exactly what I want. Now we have a meeting of the minds. And internally, even though you're not even in sales mode yet, they're thinking to themselves, yeah, this, this guy or this gal can actually walk me through the process in a manner that A, I want, and B, results in a picture that I'm moving towards. And if that's the case, two or three times in a conversation, there's a high likelihood that you become their agent and in our world, their advisor. So good. All right. Awesome. So when we're talking about differences, let's start with buyers. Well, and actually, let's start high level. You talked about there's this huge distinction between when I'm working with a buyer, a buyer is looking for X, but when I'm working with a seller, a seller is looking for something totally different. Yeah. Right. And you use two words that I wrote down here. First one is buyers are looking for consultation. And sellers are looking for competency. Yeah. Right. And break those down in more detail because I scribbled down just a bunch of notes while we were talking and it's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Buyers appreciate and expect without even knowing why. Like this is, this is kind of subconscious for them, but buyers do not want to be sold. They really, really don't. Right. They want the consultative approach. They want the educative approach. They want information. They want guidance. They want someone sitting kind of shoulder to shoulder with them initially. Your skills to sell and negotiate are important as an attribute of something that you will deliver as a service later. Your skills as a salesperson sitting with a seller are going to be leveraged to win the seller. Right. And so there's a big difference there. Seller or sorry, buyers want the consultative approach, the educative approach. They want initially, anyway, non committal, right? We're uh, not going to be shoving contracts in front of buyers saying, hey, I just showed you three houses. Here's a buyer's agency agreement. Now we got to work together. Right. Yeah. Good luck with that. That's just not the, the buyer world. And a really good example of this, guys, if, if you go shopping, right? If you go shopping at whatever, Macy's, Nordstrom, wherever you go, if you walk into that, that department store, right? And, and, and I walk in, usually, I'm not going to the mall for fun. That was way back in middle school, right? <laughs> I'm going there because I need a shirt. I need a pair of jeans. I need a sweatshirt, whatever. I need something. But if someone walks up and says, hey, why are you here? Well, like, what can I help you with? That's, it's just, it's too, it's too forward, right? Yeah, yeah. What you want is for someone to go, hey, my name's Scott. And, uh, you know, I work here at Nordstrom. And I would love to be a resource for you, right? And I can kind of dive into what styles are most prevalent and, you know, what, what, what I think would look right on you and good on you and all that. But just let me know, like, to what level you want me to engage. I'm going to be over there. 
And again, my name's Scott. And so if you need me, then, then grab me. Yep. Because otherwise, what do we all say? We're all programmed to say, just looking. Hey, can I help you? Nope, just looking. Yep. Okay, cool. So you drove all the way over here <laughs> across town on a Saturday. Just to look. Just, just to see what the new inventory of shirts is at Nord's. Right. Bullshit. Yeah. Like, but we all do it. But everybody does it. We're yep. all programmed that way. And so that's just, just like an illustration of why we experience that and how we have to accommodate is a good word how we have to accommodate ourselves in order to work with buyers in a consultative, educative way. You win buyers through being convenient. Initially, that's how you win buyers is being convenient. Because when somebody wants to see a house, if you can be the convenient source to see that house at the time that they want to, at the terms that they want, when they want, where they want, like all the things, and you can do that initially to get FaceTime and to build rapport and to, and to, find out the need and the pain and all those things that we just talked about. If you can do that, you lay the bedrock. You do lay the bedrock of being able to be consultative and educative in that fashion. Outside of being Johnny on the spot, when a showing request comes in, what are other things that people can do to be convenient for a buyer they're trying to win over? Yeah, I think one of the things is, is making sure that you know and can communicate what's happening in the market mm. in a way that is different and unique than them Googling it, <laughs> right? Like if you're using Google or chat GPT to, to, to do your research and to formulate your opinions, that's a huge mistake, right? Anybody can do that. Anybody yep. can jump on and, and Google and start reading blogs. You're there to make it super simple, super convenient to be able to say, hey, inventory is up 40% year over year. That's industry speak, yeah, people hear that and they go, "Is that good? Is that bad? Right. Is it I, like I, I don't know how to interpret that?" You gotta go. So what that means is. So what that means is da 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 da. And here comes the consultative, educative approach. Or for example, hey, it's springtime, or it's about to be springtime here in Denver, and we're going to start seeing a lot of competition, and you got to be ready to to compete. And we're competing because demand is high and supply is low, right? And that's just kind of high school economics. So here's what it looks like to compete. These are the three tools that I would recommend kind of getting your mind around a little bit. And it's inspection reserve, appraisal reserve, you know, escalation clauses, things like that. So that you're just, you're just providing education, education. So that people are like, yeah, he makes it so simple. She makes it so clear. Like when she talks about it, it makes total sense. When I read about it, I get confused. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, then they're going to continually kind of move towards you for those resources and questions. Okay. Yeah. Anything else that jumps to the top of your head in terms of like easy things you can do to be convenient? I think proactively staying in front of buyers is critical. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, when you think about, when you think about why people buy and sell, I always joke and say people don't buy and sell for fun. It's not fun. It's stressful. (laughs) It's stressful. It's anxiety ridden. It's expensive. It's inconvenient. Like it's not just, Hey, let's just whimsically buy a house. Like it's, it's a big, big, big deal. And therefore, there's always something one layer deeper that's driving someone to buy a house. In our, in our world, we call them the eight Ds. There's death, there's divorce, there's job, promote. I can't remember what they all are, but there's all these life events, right? That, that makes someone say, I want to buy a house. There's marriage, there's birth, there's all these different things, right? Um, if we had a good podcast, we probably would have looked those up ahead of time. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we, but, but we don't. But we don't. So, so there you go. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> Circle back and we'll do another podcast on the 80s. There's always something one level deeper that caused people to buy a house or sell a house. And so with that comes the understanding of, hey, 
people aren't just going to wake up one day and say, I'm going to buy a house in the next month. Right. It's going to be six months, nine months, a year, 18 months. And your job is to stay in front of that person. Oh, that's what you mean. So that it's super easy, convenient. Yes. I was, I can just throw this out. I was talking to Allison yesterday yep. and she's great at posting on social media. And we were just riffing on that and going, yeah, you know, this is a whole nother episode too. But a lot of people go, oh yeah, I got, I got 15 deals out of Facebook. No, you didn't. Because all those people were in your sphere. That would be like someone calling me out of my sphere on my cell phone and me saying, yeah, I got 15 deals out of Verizon. <laughs> What are we doing? Dude. Like, come on. That is that is class. That's maybe that's that's the drop the mic moment, right? It's there. it's not Facebook. Yeah. It's, it was your sphere. It was, your sphere. It, was, it was relationships. Facebook was just a medium for staying. It's just the medium of communication, of right? Yeah. However, her point, which was hundred percent accurate, was yeah, but it was super convenient for them to 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 reach out. Yeah. Because they didn't have to say, oh, cool post. Now let me go find her phone number and call her because I don't really want to talk right now. I don't have time. The kids are screaming in the background. You know, whatever. Yep. I'll just drop her a quick little message on Facebook Messenger. Totally. And now, boom, we're off and running with yep. the conversation. It's just convenient. Got it. Okay. That's a good one. Again, I'm looking, I'm looking back here. Talk about education just real briefly. If I want to be better than I am right now at educating my clients, educating buyers specifically, yeah. since that's one of the big things they're looking for. Huge. What are some things I can do there that are simple, that will up my game? Here's the easiest trick in the book. No matter what state you're in, we're in Colorado, take what's called the contract to buy and sell real estate and just take any section you want out of that and start promoting that. Start educating people on that. Oh, interesting. Do it once a week for 52 weeks. You could do a blog, you could do a podcast. You could do a Facebook post. You could do an Instagram post. You could do an email blast. You could do a video of yourself explaining it. People that are interested in buying homes are in that mode of wanting to know everything there is about buying a home. They want to know all the strategies. They want to know all the ins and outs. They want to know what they're going to be signing. They want to know the secret tools. They want to know, they want to crack open the black box, right? And so you could create videos called Jimmy's black box of real estate facts. Like, ooh, what's that? (laughs) So do something that's fun, interesting, convenient, compelling, whatever it is, do that. And so what we want is for us to not have to sit down and have to, you know, write an essay every every time we want to, you know, send out an email blast or have some phone calls or do a video or whatever. But here's the, the truth, guys, is that if you're good at your craft, if you're a craft master, the contract itself there's so much in there that's fascinating. I know we all go through real estate school and we're like, oh God, like just click through the slides, take the quiz, hopefully you get a 70 or more and then just move on with your life. The reality is there's so much that we know as real estate agents and for us as advisors that we just go, yeah, it's a big eye roll. It's it's boring. It's not. You could actually take like any section out of the contract and just riff on what it means, what the implications are, how to think about it, how to understand it. Yep. And people will go, holy crap, this guy's a professional. You just made me think Education. of another, another good one. I remember going through with um, Armbrust. Shout out to Pat Armbrust yeah. and, and um, the crew over there. One of the things that they covered was, hey, we're not just trying to help you regurgitate stuff to pass the test, although that's important. But they taught this section on like, hey, you will win a ton of buyers if you just go through this simple calculation that shows people how to pay off their mortgage faster by making an extra payment do you remember this? I'm Easy, sure yeah. He went through it. 100%. And he walks you through it and you go, oh my gosh, that's freaking gold. And you could take anyone through it that exercise. It knocks off like 13 years of payments. That's right. By it, making one extra payment a year. I have yet to have somebody go through that exercise with him and not go, 
oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they might not do it. Right. But at least you're the one that was like, you know, it's, it's like our, our guy here, Tim, loves saying this. If you really want to win someone's heart, show them how to make more money or save money. Boom. One of the two. Dude, we could just end the episode right there. Or both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that, that's a really good one. And so- That's some, so good. Sometimes we just like, you know, we go, oh yeah, I'll get around to it and I'll, I'll educate people and, you know, I need to do the, more of that. But the reality is what's in your head is unbelievably valuable, which by the way, is why we get paid the two and a half, three percent that we do. Yep. That, and I'll go into my grave saying that. So, Okay. And then let's talk about, before we wrap up buyers and move to sellers, let's talk about some of these things that we jotted down for common mistakes you see buyers agents make yeah. that are costing them business. Yep. And probably the biggest one and the first one was they never turn the corner from being an agent of convenience to being the agent of conviction. Mm. So good. Yeah. So I said earlier with being a consultative approach, educative approach, the big piece there is being convenient and making sure that you can give people what they want. And as you do that, you win, you slowly win them over. But what happens a lot of times, and again, this is, this is lead source agnostic. Doesn't matter. Like these could be your college roommates. These could be your Zillow, your sphere, backyard tea, whatever it is that, that you do in order to produce business, produce relationships. What ends up happening is you get into this mode as a buyer's agent as being consultative, very educative, and especially at Thrive, right? To all the Thrivers that are listening, because that's kind of our culture too. It's like, hey, let's just give a ton of value away for free without asking for anything. And by doing so, we win a lot of people. We win way more than, than we lose with that approach. However, there's a big gap because if you continue on that track and just be the agent of convenience and you never, you never turn the corner to becoming the agent of conviction within your buyer's mindset, the burnout rate is really high. Yeah, Like you're just constantly at the whim of everybody and when they want to see houses and, and, and how they want to see houses and where they want to see houses. And if you're, you're constantly running with anxiety because you're thinking, well, if I don't do this, then they're going to move to some other agent. And you know what? You're right. Because you never turn the corner. You know, you're just the agent of convenience. You just happen to be convenient. And if that runs too long, and when I say too long, I usually mean if it runs more than about two weeks-ish, mm. that's plenty of time to add value and to, and to deliver you know, substantial value to a buyer to, to be the consult, be the education, and be convenient for them. But if we're not turning the corner, and turning the corner means, hey, it's been really great to get to know you a little bit through the last four or five houses. I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what you're looking for and why and when you want to be there. I'm excited to continue doing this. Why don't we do this just to make sure that you know exactly what I'm supposed to do and how that's supposed to look and how what the product is that you're supposed to be experiencing. Let's grab 45 minutes to an hour at Starbucks or at your house or at our office we'll walk through our process, what to expect, how it all works as it unfolds further. Is Thursday or Tuesday better for you? Yeah, choice of two positives. Yeah, choice of two positives. Yeah, and they go, oh, Thursday's better. Great. Is morning or afternoon? Afternoon's great. Three o'clock, boom, done. I'll see you there. But without doing that, without doing that, you just remain the agent of convenience. And so what ends up happening is the buyer never gets convicted that, oh my gosh, this guy, this gal, is definitely the person that I want to show me to the promised land. Yes. This is who I want to do this transaction with. Like, this is who I want to make sure that I don't buy a lemon. This is who I want to make sure I get the right price. This is who I want to win the deal in a competitive market. 
I want to work with them. Because what ends up happening is after that, once they've made that mental decision that now they're convicted about you and your abilities, when you say, gosh, Thursday at two is really hard for me because I'm going to be at my kid's soccer game. Could we do Thursday at four or even Friday morning? They're not saying to themselves, oh, that's fine. I'll just find another agent to do it. They're saying to themselves, okay, bummer. But yeah, totally. Let's just do Thursday at four after your son's soccer game. Yep. And now you have more control of your calendar. Burnout is less. You have a little bit more say in how things unfold. But that's the biggest gap is when you miss becoming the agent of conviction versus convenience. Yeah, and it's interesting how those go together because I'm I'm just thinking as you're talking and it's interesting. Them liking you, them trusting you is not enough. No. It's important. It has to happen for them to want to work with you, but by itself, it's not enough. You got to get them to that point where they feel like, oh, I don't just like him, I need him. Yes. Right? I need her. Yes. And typically you're doing that because you're showing them things they didn't see. You're telling them things they didn't know. You're, like you said, you know, if, if you're walking through somebody like, here's what I do to make sure that you don't buy a lemon. And they're like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't have even thought of any of the stuff that wouldn't you just shared that. with me. I need, I need somebody like you in my corner because you're going to help me avoid making a mistake. 100%. Yeah, there's a reason that Facebook has a like button. Yeah. And it's because for people, for human beings, the like button is heroin. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all addicted to it. We all want to be liked. Like that's just common among human beings, right? And so we get stuck there. Like, I, I just want them to like me. And that's fine to establish rapport and to actually create that connectivity that we were talking about earlier. Right. But if you don't move from, like you said, yes, I like him and I feel like I need him yeah. or her, you're just going to remain in the bucket of convenience. Totally. So then let's move into this you do have to be assumptive, right? Like you have to know that you have the chops to serve them really well. Yes. Right? Maybe better than anybody else could. And then you have to ask for the business. You have to ask for the next meeting. You got to ask for that strategy session with them. And one of the things we talked about is we've seen this hold people back where, again, this is agnostic of how you're getting in front of clients. Doesn't matter. We happen to work a lot of leads. And you'll see this where people will get their leads. They'll set a bunch of appointments They'll meet with those appointments. They'll do a bunch of showings. And then like their offer rate is next to nothing. And you're like, what, what is happening? Right. And oftentimes when somebody gets with them in the field to go watch what they're doing or not doing, one of the things is they're just not being assumptive, asking for the business. Yeah. Or assertive is another way to describe that too. Yeah. You know, eventually you have to say, hey, you can jot this down. This is one of my favorite ones because it's not salesy and it's not, too strong, but it does kind of mine out where you're at with this person. So here goes. This is, this is actually my script. Hey, if I'm reading this right, I think you and I would work really well together. What do you think? <laughs> and they're going to go, yeah, I, I think so too. And in fact, some of them might go, well, aren't we already working together? And either way, you can say, yeah, totally. I mean, I, yeah, I was just checking signals, you know, didn't want to become too as on the beer. But why don't we go grab a cup of coffee? Let's walk through the process. I want to make sure that you have the expectations and, and make sure that you also are equipped with all the tools. That's my job, is to make sure that you have all the tools in order to win in today's market. You might use some of the tools, you might not. That's up to you. But my job is to make sure you have all the tools. And it takes about 45 minutes, you know, over a cup of coffee. When's best for you, Saturday or Sunday? You just got to move in that direction. You got to ask for the date. (laughs) When if you're halfway decent at reading people, if it's not actually going pretty well, you can usually tell by how they respond when they go, "Uh, yeah, sure. (laughs) 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 Well, (laughs) Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. If there's a hesitation, if their voice goes up, it's probably not going that well. Yeah. And and you know what? Sometimes you're going to hear things like, well, it is going well, but. but... 
my brother's an agent. Totally. It is going well, but uh, I've decided I'm not going to buy for two years. It is going well, but my credit course, my credit score sucks. It is going like whatever. Wouldn't you rather know that now versus 100%. four more weeks of showings on Saturday and then yeah. have them say, by the way, I'm just looking because my credit scores are 400. Like, right. and you're like, oh my God, like I'm going to, I'm going to just go home and start drinking immediately. <laughs> like, so, so ask, just ask. It's a very simple way to ask. Hey, if I'm reading this right, I think you and I would work really well together. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. Great. Let's, let's set a time to, you know, actually go through it and make sure well, that. And what's funny is if you're doing all of this stuff, well, that person may not be a client for six, 12, 24 months, but they, but they absolutely can and still will be your client. It's still just funnel management. Exactly. If you're doing all of these other things well. Yeah, right? totally. And 100%. that's the word we keep coming back to is we said effectiveness early, but efficiency is probably a better word. Efficiency. Right? How do I yeah. be more efficient at what I'm doing? Yeah, totally. Um, By the way, just, it's, just a, as a last piece on this, know this too. It's good for you for sure because you'll know where people stand and you won't waste your time. It's more efficient. It's actually better for them too. Yes. It is better for them. We, we like to joke about, you know, the, the kind of the dating analogy, mm-hmm. right? Where if you're in the dating scene or if you were in the dating scene at some point, think back to when you were, you were dating. But if, if you're having a cocktail or a couple cocktails at a bar or hanging out or whatever you're doing and you're like, man, this is really great. And, and I think this is going to proceed. I think this is going to, you know, become a relationship. And the other person is just like, all right, well, that was fun. I guess I'll see you around. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's just like, this is awkward, right? Yeah. Or Rob and I were riffing a little bit beforehand and going, yeah, imagine yourself going to a five-star hotel, right? You go to a five-star hotel and you get there. It's beautiful. The family's there. You're, you're all ready to just get settled in. And the concierge goes, hey, like, yeah, welcome. And um, yeah, I, I mean, just... Uh, let me know if you need anything. Have a good time. Let me, <laughs> let me know if you need anything. No, that's not comfortable. That's not no. good for you. You're like, okay, so do we take our bags or does someone else take our bags? And how do we get to our room? Versus when the concierge at a five-star hotel comes up to you and says, hey, my name's Bill. I'll be your concierge all week while we're here. Here's what happens next. This yeah. is a key line, by the way. That's right actually there. where I was going next because it's funny. We've accumulated like, I'm counting five like yeah. key one-liners that people can take and just insert into their conversations. Easy and, that's, and that's a big one. Here's, here's what happens what happened next. Ne- yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's like, here's what happens next. So in that analogy, here's what happens next. I take your bags. You guys go to the bar. Cocktails are on us. Get settled in. Yeah. Come to your room in 15 minutes. Everything will be set up for you and have a great night. You're yep. like, cool. That's called authority, being assertive, mapping it out yep. and telling people, here's what happens next. So we have a, a saying at our company and it's this. Tell people what's going to happen before it happens so that when it happens, they're okay that it happened. And that's good news and bad news. Totally. Tell people what's going to happen before it happens so that when it happens, they're okay that it happened. Yeah. They want to know. Shout out to our boy, B. Ross. Yeah. One of his classic lines of many is, happiness is when expectations meet reality. Right. And Love so it. what that's exactly what you're talking about is, is set an expectation. And then when that expectation becomes a reality, it's just you're, you're accumulating happiness points in their emotional bank account totally. with you. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, by the way, as an aside, that's also how you produce five-star reviews. Mm-hmm. It's funny because sometimes people get five-star reviews because buyer really liked them. Yeah. That's not really a five-star review. No. A five-star review is what Rob just said. It's when you set expectations and then you meet or exceed those expectations. Yep. People are inherently compelled to then write you a five-star review. So people look at ours all the time. It's like 1,600 five-star reviews. Really? Really? And we're like, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> because he, we, we say, here's what's going to happen before it happens so that when it happens, you're, you're good that it happens. And like you said, good or bad. Good or bad. Yeah. And then we do it. And then they go, yeah, that's fair. Five-star review. That, that's the recipe for a five-star review as an aside. Okay, so, cool. Let's move into sellers. Yep. And to go back to what we said before, sellers need to be convinced where buyers want to be consulted. Yeah. Right? And we put down some words to convince a seller it's through things like, I'm just going to read back what we wrote, competency, mm-hmm. salesmanship, mm-hmm. confidence, or maybe a better word, authority. Yep. Right. And you made a, a key distinction here. You have to do that. They're, a, they're looking to be sold and B, you have to sell them because they're paying a commission. Yes. Right. Oftentimes yeah. buyers don't feel that the way a seller does. They don't. Yeah. And, and hey, shout out to, you know, just the industry in general right now. That's highly likely going to change with the lawsuit. And if mm-hmm. you don't know about that, then just Google real estate lawsuit and you'll, you'll be educated in 10 seconds. But that's highly likely a possibility of changing is that the buyer will pay the buyer's agent directly, like out of their own pocket. And, and it'll be, oh, so now I have to pay you 15, 20, $25,000, whatever it is. That's been the way it's been with sellers for a hundred plus years. That's right. Like they look at it and go, hey, I need you to tell me why it is that I'm going to pay you, let's call it 20 Bingo. grand. Which, which is if you're paying for anything in life, to actually be happy to pay it, the value or the perceived value has to be greater than the cost. A hundred percent. And so the onus is then on the agent to show what the value actually is. What pain are you going to solve for me? Yeah. <laughs> or what pleasure am I going to experience because I worked with you? That's right. And if you can't articulate that, then I, I got a really hard time writing you a check for $20,000. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a key distinction. When Rob said, you know, buyers want to be consulted, that's true. And sellers want to be and need to be convinced. They need to be sold. Like you, you got to put your salesmanship shoes on and really go in there going, okay, like th- this is a sales pitch. People that walk into uh, listing presentations with the educative approach, which is what I did for the first seven years, mm-hmm. which is why I didn't do a lot of <laughs> listings. And, and you get these blank stares of like, how long are you going to be here, dude? Like, <laughs> just, can, can we wrap this up? Right. You know, Because I just had this huge educative, like, let me educate you on all the different ways to list a house and the photography and this and that and all the things you should be thinking about. And it's just like, oh my God, this is such a snooze fest. Buyers, yes. Sellers, yeah. no. So what changed for you? What changed for me was we had, a, uh, we had these binders, these green binders, three ring binders that we used to put together called the buyer book and the seller book. And on the buyer side, it was literally like the physical weight of the binder. People would go, oh my God, like this is amazing. Even if they never going to read it, which they weren't. Yeah. But they would look at it and go, holy crap, you're professional, you're organized, you're dialed. No one else has done this. Like that's a lot of information, 12 sections that we used to have all about educating the buyer. And we'd said, yeah, let's do that for the seller too. And so we'd walk in and I'd walk in and say, you know, let's go through, let's go through this three ring binder <laughs> with 12 different sections. Right. And all they want to know is, hey man, what are you going to do to cause me to want to pay you 20 grand to sell my house? Yes. All this education could care less. It's yep. a very, very distinct difference between buyers and sellers. Well, and this was one of my favorite things you said as we were prepping was we talked about these action steps of to win listings, you have to be prepared. You said you can't wing it like you can. Sometimes you can walk in with a buyer and because it is convenient, educational, consultative, be yep. their buddy, win, win their trust, get them to like you. Like at some point you do have to have that 
preparation and market knowledge. And to switch from convenient to conviction. Exactly. You got to do that. Somewhere in that two-week time frame. But like initially, you, you don't. You can get away with winging it to a certain extent. And you said with listings, you absolutely cannot get away with that. And I said, okay, so then what are the things that people need to do to actually be prepared to the level you're talking about? Yep. And you had three things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The three things are, th- these are just kind of fundamental basics. When you're walking into a seller to have that meeting with them, you need to know, obviously, what the past sales look like. And not just, yeah, you know, I pulled comps. But like, did you study those comps? Did you research those comps? Did you pull up in our market build facts, right? To see what renovations have been done over the past five years to those comps that might be a little bit different than what the house that you're about to walk into, right? Did you really research those or did you just kind of quote, quote, pull comps? Like you need to know more than they know, even though they've been in that house for the Christmas party because the neighbors always have a cool Christmas party and I've been in Bill's house. You need to know more than that. You need to know more than what they know about the comps. And you don't need 10, you need three or four, right? That's number one. Number two, you need to know the current competition. Guaranteed, no seller has contacted an agent to say, hey, I want to go shop the competition. I want to go do some showings. As a seller, I want to go do some showings so that I understand you know, what, what I'm going to be competing against when I launch my house on the market. You as an agent have the keys to every house in your MSA. And so did you go ahead and set up three or four showings so that when you're sitting with them, you get to say, yeah, so this house over here is, you know, it's going to be, it's on the market for 1.5. And, you know, based on what I've seen, I think yours would probably list for 1.4. Here's why. That house has an incredibly finished basement. I walked it. Here's the video. Here are the pictures of me walking it and commentating on all the different features that your house might, might not have, right? And so we need to know about that. Because otherwise, it's just like, well, they look the same and with same square footage and bedrooms, bathrooms, so I should sell for 1.52. And, and you need to be able to say, well, well time out. Like, here's, here's the videos and here's the yep. pictures of, of me walking through that. Just the fact that you did that before a listing presentation is huge. It's nice. massive. And by the way, just trick of the trade, you should set up another showing, even if you can't do it, you can cancel it, but you should set up another showing for roughly about 15 to 20 minutes past when you want to do your listing presentation. So that you can say, by the way, I also took the proactive step to go ahead and set up a showing so that I could drive you over there and we could look at it together. Mm-hmm. This is like the interactive CMA. Yep. Right. So that's number two, is uh, really knowing the past sales. And then number, or sorry, the past competition. Sales, current competition. Current competition. What's, yeah, what's and, then, the and then the third one is just neighborhood facts. And not just like, oh, here's a bunch of data points, but like you got to be able to sell the, the neighborhood. Like when you sell the house, you sell the life. When you sell the house, you sell the lifestyle. When you sell the house, you sell the area too. And so you need to understand like the park system and the bike paths and the different activities that are close and the restaurants and all, all the different things. And you need to be able to sit with the seller and say, for example, Rob, I bet you bought your house because you're roughly one block from an amazing park and you have three kids. I bet that was probably a pretty big deal for you. And then the rec center down in Littleton is absolutely incredible. And I noticed it was only 4.3 miles from your house, which is pretty sweet because it's hard to get to the kids' sports on time. Yep. And they go, yeah, what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 like, I know this area, even if it's the first house you've ever sold in, in the neighborhood. Like yep. You can do that. So becoming the neighborhood expert, past sales, and then current competition, walking in, you have to know that. That's so good. You have to be able to talk dialogue about that. Well, and 
I know we're running out of time here, but I wanted to hit on this one. I had a big star next to it. Differentiation. <sighs> so big. So, yeah. so we're already kind of talking about this, right? Like, what am I doing that other agents aren't doing? But let's, let's assume that, what is it? The average seller is going to interview three different potential listing agents. Correct. Yep. Right? Let's assume the other two have 100 plus transactions under their belt and at least five years of experience. Yeah. What am I going to do that's going to make me different? Especially, and this is one of the questions I asked you, especially if I haven't done a ton of listings, yep. if I haven't been in real estate a long time, if I've only been doing this for two years and I have 35 transactions or I've been doing it for six months and I only have five transactions under my belt. Like, What am I going to do to differentiate myself from everybody else? Yeah, so good. So for new agents, I'll, I'll answer that in two different ways. One is, if you're a new agent, you're not busy. And to translate that into a pain point that is potential for a seller to be working with a highly experienced agent, the translation is distracted, right? I'm not busy, Mr. Seller. What that means for you is that I'm not distracted. The inference there is all the other agents that you're talking to are, mm -hmm. right? I'm not distracted. You're the first person I think about when I wake up and the last person I think about before I fall asleep. Like the level of service that I'm about to deliver is going to be and, and has to be technically better and more convenient and more educative and more consultative and more pronounced because I got to do a good job for you. And by the way, I need to do a good job for you because I'm also living and breathing off of word of mouth and references and referrals. And so if I don't do a good job for you, that's a really, really big deal for my business versus maybe another agent that, you know, they're closing whatever, 20 deals a year, 30 deals a year. They don't need it as bad as I do, right? And so I'm all in on this. Like I'm kind of hanging my hat on this and, and that's something that you should probably, you know, take some, take some confidence in, right? That's for all agents that you can, you can leverage that fact that you're not distracted. You're, you're all in on, on them. Now, Here's another way to do it, though. This is number two. And for thrivers, <laughs> we have a, an extremely powerful way of answering this question. Yeah. Um, in general, if you're not at Thrive, I think it's super important to tell people why you're doing what you're doing. Like, give them a peek behind the curtain, right? Like, why, why did you become a real estate agent? Get a little bit deeper than, here's my marketing plan. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's the professional photography. Here's the cleaning. Here's the Facebook ads. Here are the glossy flyers, like blah, 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 blah. A little bit of a snooze fest, right? When you interview three agents, if they're worth anything, they're all going to say the same thing. Now, some of them might say it better than others. That's salesmanship. Some of them might articulate it better than others and, and the seller's impressed by that. But that's salesmanship. That's not actually like the process or the product that they're going to receive. We're assuming all three of these people, you included, are good salespeople. You're Assuming gonna, they're all good salespeople. You're going right? to build rapport. You're going to be funny, make money. Yep. You're going to ask really good questions. Yeah. Right? So you're going to be compelling. I like where you're going with this. Yeah. So at the end, you've got to be able to say, here's why I'm doing this. If you're going to buy anything, Mr. Seller, buy this, buy why I'm doing it. Right. And for you, you're going to have to do some soul searching to figure out why are you doing this? Maybe you've never answered that question. And that would be a really good thing for you to dig into. Because if it's just, it's my job. I make money. Boring. That's not compelling. It needs to be something bigger than that. So here's how it sounds for people at Thrive. And then you can take this and maybe explore how you would describe why you're doing what you're doing and what the deliverables are for your client. Okay. So this is trademark. Do not rip this off unless you're at Thrive. If you're not at Thrive and I catch you saying this, I'm going to drive your house and paper toil your front yard. <laughs> 
Okay, so here goes. <laughs> paper towel, whatever that is. We all knew what you meant. Like, I think you said paper toilet. Paper, front, yeah, I don't yeah, even know what that is, but it sounds terrible. That's, that's my version of, of rolling your what, front yard. What is that actually called? Were you Teepee. T- yeah, so there we go. Teepee your front yard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're not even drinking. Golly. Well, that's the what? problem. Yeah, that is the problem. I mean, I, that's that's been a recurring theme. I wouldn't have made that Freudian slip had we been drinking. <laughs> when we don't have bourbon, we make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Which is funny because when we do have bourbon, we probably make a lot of mistakes, but we just don't realize it. <laughs> just gloss over the top of it. That was a perfect podcast. Okay, so here it goes. This, this, is, this is how it sounds for thrivers. Take this and then figure out how you want to describe what you do. Mm-hmm. So Rob and I are sitting here doing the listing presentation. Rob's the seller. I'm the uh, agent or in our, in our world, the advisor. I would close my laptop or my tablet or whatever it is that I'm showing them, like, here's all our marketing, here's our process, blah, blah, blah. You got to do that because they need to know what you're, what you're going to do. But at the end, part of it is I close the laptop or close the, the iPad or whatever it is and say, hey, by the way, as we wrap up here, can I give you a peek behind the curtain? I think it's really important for you to know who it is that you're working with and why, why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? And so here it is. It's not just me helping people buy and sell homes. For me, it's all about walking people through a process that needs to be simple and clear. And so kind of my personal mission in this business is to simplify and clarify the home buying and selling process. Because I believe that when it's simple and clear, people tend to make more informed and more empowered decisions for them and their family. And I've experienced that too. And I like doing that for other people. It's actually quite interesting and fun for me. And, and it's gratifying for me. And I know that sounds interesting, maybe from, from a you know, business perspective, but the reason why I do that, the heart of it, is because I get up in the morning and I get to help people move to their better life. That's really what it is. And so for me to be a part of that with you is, is actually really quite cool and compelling. And, and I get to be a part of a story that is unfolding for you. And that's, that's pretty neat for me. So that's, that's very gratifying for me as well. And I know that sounds maybe a little bit flamboyant, but I have a recipe for it. Here's how I do it. This is literally what I've rested on for you know, my experience in, as being a real estate agent. It worked very well. It's earned me lots of five-star reviews, bragging without bragging. And it's this, I promise to advocate selflessly for you. And I know that's like in the contract, but I think it's important that you know my commitment to you is to put you before me. Obviously, this is a straight commission job. And so money is important for you and for me. But within that, my commitment and my promise to you is to always put you before me. I'll advocate selflessly for you. I'll also execute tightly for you. That's my second kind of core value. To me, what that means is I got to go all in. I got to be the professional. I got to be the champion. I got to know all the things that are about to happen before they happen so that you, again, can make informed and empowered decisions. So definitely executing tightly along the way. Highest level of professionalism is what you should expect from me. And if I'm not, then you should fire me, right? And then the third thing that I promise to do is live lightly. I think that's super important. What that means is if I mess up, I'll own that. I'll name it and I'll own it and I'll make it right. I'm not perfect. I've screwed things up in the past. You should ask my wife. There's a lot of things that you know I, I don't do quite right, but you have my commitment that I'll always own it and make it right if I happen to make a, a mistake. And so you'll never have to worry about that. So just want to give you a peek behind the curtain as to kind of what I'm up to. And I know the marketing plan is important and all that, but that's, that's really what I want you to experience. And if I'm reading the situation right, I, I think you and I would work really well together. What do you think? Yeah. And there we are again, back at the close. Back right? at the close. Like you actually have to ask for the sale. Yeah. Well, and what's, 
you know, as we tie a bow on this, what's really good about that is, you know, just remembering like there's, there's literally tens of thousands of agents just in our little market right here. Yeah. Like people aren't buying or selling the home. They're buying you. Yes. To help them buy or sell the home. Yes. Like we're not actually selling real estate. We're selling ourselves and we're selling an experience, right? And the product is the experience. Yeah. And understand that that, that personal story is going to resonate with a lot of people. It's for sure going to differentiate you, but it's also not going to resonate with every single person. And that's okay. That's okay. Right. And like you said before, in the end, it's going to help you be more efficient because if you don't have a connection with that client, they don't really connect with you. They don't connect with your story. They don't connect with the why behind why you're doing it. You're probably going to get frustrated working with them and they're probably going to get frustrated working with you. And it's probably not going to result in a five-star review. It probably won't. <laughs> nope. And it's going to suck your emotional energy and your time. And Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the Dude, differentiation that's so piece. You know, those last three things for sellers as we wrap up is, it's a hard one, the differentiation and the lack of close at the end because we promised yep. three things. So yeah, lack of preparedness is a, is a serious mistake with sellers. Lack of differentiation is a serious mistake with sellers because there's so much noise out there and we're all basically saying the same thing as agents. And then the lack of, of a close of again saying, hey, I want to work with you. Like, I want the business. Right. And however that comes out for you, you, you do it your way. That's just one yep. example. Our differentiation piece is predicated on our mission, vision, and values, which every thriver has adopted and, and imbibed into their soul, so to speak. And so at Thrive, we get to weaponize and leverage that out in the universe to be able to, you know, make, do better and, and actually increase performance and deliver better experience for our sellers. So that's one way that we differentiate ourselves amongst all the noise because nobody else can say that. And if they do, it, it's literally ripping it off. It's, you know, you can't, you can't say that unless it's from the heart. Like yeah. if, if you say that and it's not, you don't mean it and it's not genuine and it's not real, People will read that and go, you're so full of it. Get out of my house. <laughs> right. Like, this is, you're such a sales guy. Yeah. But if you're actually saying it with like, no, I'm serious. Like that, I get jazzed by helping people move to their better life. And I think I'm pretty good at simplifying and clarifying this process yep. and looking around corners and here's my recipe and that's how I do it. Like if you say it with conviction and, and it's genuine, it's honestly the best <laughs> the best way to close, you know, a, a seller is by differentiating through that. So as you said before, it would probably behoove somebody if they're not doing what you just described, which that was great that you walked through a real example. You know, that was so effortless for you, partly because you've done it hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. If you're not doing that right now, you got to take the time to sit down and actually like do the soul searching, write it out, create a script, and then pair up a script with authenticity because you need to be able to deliver it without thinking too much. So it mm -hmm. actually comes across as authentic. It'll actually be less authentic if you're just stumbling and bumbling around trying to find the right words. Yeah. Right. So there's a happy medium between plan it out, but also have it be natural and authentic and genuine to, to you. Yeah. Right. And then you do it enough times. And by the way, you should probably practice in a mirror. 100%. As, as dorky as that is. Or with your spouse or your yep. friend or whatever. You need to role play it so that in the moment you can deliver that because you've already done it so many times yeah. before. 100%. Yeah. Dude, good stuff today. Yeah, so good. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully you picked up on a couple things here and there. We, we meant for it to be tactical heavy. And so hopefully you have some transition sentences, some closing questions to ask, some, some actual tactical things. The Ford method, we, we went through that. Questions to ask and, and ways to kind of move the relationship forward. But by and large, just remember, you start with buyers being consultative and convenient. You got to turn the corner to be in the agent of conviction. And with sellers, you need to walk in there with your sales shoes on, ready to be on stage. Totally. 
And if somebody's left wanting more because of some of the stuff we didn't get to dig into for time, what's the best email address for you? Yeah, just dave at thrivedenver.com. Reach out anytime. Happy to set up a a phone call or or just swap emails. Perfect. Either way, it's great. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers.